My name is Kristen Jekulek, founder of Value Video Marketing. And if you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, then you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Really quickly, before we jump into this topic, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions. Do you wish that you could be more productive? Do you ever wonder why you set goals and then you let that fizzle off and you don't take the action that you need to take? If you answered yes to that, I've created a productivity masterclass that helps you get clear on what you want, why you want it, and then gives you the steps necessary to bring your dream life into a reality. Yes, you're going to get tools and resources to help you draft your day, and you'll also get knowledge and information on how self-sabotage works, how your mind is working to keep you safe. Harness the power of your unconscious mind to start to move you closer to your goals. For more information on this five-day masterclass, head over to productivity.successdevelopmentsolutions.com. And I really look forward to helping you design the life you've always wanted. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I'm so excited to have you. Amber, I'm really excited to be here and get into some great conversation. Oh my gosh, it's going to be amazing. So as you heard in the intro, Kristen and I are here at this amazing event called PodMax, which you guys hear me talk about all the time because it's fantastic. So this is just another example of amazing connections that we get to make here. And I want to start by just going back a little bit and talking about what it was like for you growing up. Um, did So just to get this out of the way, astrophysicist. I'm totally blown away by that, by the way, um, in a prior life. So did you always know that you wanted to go to college? Was that always a plan for you? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. College was one of those things that like my parents had just always said I was going to do it. And in my brain, I was just always going to do it. And for me, it was the right choice. I was a very shy very brainy, very quiet child. And, you know, I loved school. Like I was just good at school and um, going to college was good for me because it's where I finally learned how to open up a little bit. It's where I developed more of my social skills and developed more emotional awareness. You know, it's such an interesting thing to say because so many times we talk about, um, college being that thing that we just felt like we needed to go do, right? And then as entrepreneurs, we look back and we're like, okay, I know I took stuff from that, but how much of it do I actually use every day? But what you just said is a huge, amazing insight into what college can bring you. And like, would you have actually been ready to do what you're doing now if you hadn't had that experience, which I think is an interesting take. 
I absolutely could not have been a successful entrepreneur right out of high school. I had a lot of growing up I needed to do. I definitely suffered from that good student mentality of I'll just work hard and I'll do it right and I'll get the good grades and I'll be rewarded for that, right? And that's just not how real life works. You you got to go out there and go after what you want and ask for what you think you're worth. And that's how you're going to start getting it. Ask for what you think you're worth. You know, this is a really interesting thing because I just did um, this event um, to get my certification in NLP and we were talking about self-worth and I just did some conversations in my community about this. Self-worth is one of those things that it's like always here and you just have to accept it and take it, but it's sometimes it seems so far away. So what was that journey like for you to accepting it? Like, was there a moment that you were just like, screw it, I'm worth it? Or how did that happen? Um, my self-worth journey is a big, long, tangled, complex one. So it's hard for me to isolate a single moment. What's coming up for me right now, though, is that we tend to think a lot about self-confidence and focusing on self-confidence. But for me, self-confidence was a dead end without self-worth. Like self-confidence took off after I tapped into the fact that I do have inherent worth regardless of what I can or cannot do. Okay, and that's bringing me to the first moment, I would say, um, that I learned to tap into self-worth. So I, I graduated college with this astrophysics degree and the whole financial situation of, of student loans and going to get a PhD didn't make any sense to me. So I found a job. I found I got lucky and found a great job. And um, a few years into my first career, I started having really severe health issues that culminated in me being unable to hold a job, period, full stop. Couldn't work part-time from home, from bed. And um, I really struggled with my sense of identity during that time because I'd identified as all these things I was doing. I was a consultant, I was a crossfitter, I was a certain type of friend, I was a, a girlfriend. And, and I just couldn't be any of those things anymore. And um, it, was, it was during that time I found a great coach to work with and I helped realize that there is a Kristen that exists no matter what I am or am not choosing to do or able to do with my time. And there is something there that is worthy of living and being and enjoying life. Okay, we all just need to sit in that for a minute. Like that's so amazing to hear. And I feel so many people go through that, especially with the college route. You know, you talked a little bit before about believing that if you did everything that you were supposed to do, that you would get rewarded in the end. And I feel like many people who go to college right out of high school, because that's what you're supposed to do, feel that way. Um, and then when you tie that into I'm worthy, regardless of what I can or cannot accomplish, that is a hard lesson to learn. And I feel like we, um, we can talk about this all day long and you're going to learn it when you learn it. Right. So it's kind of like planting that seed, but everybody has to go through the journey. I just wish sometimes that we could like help them take away that pain that has to come along with it. But that's part of the journey is that pain of understanding that your self-worth doesn't come from your accomplishments, your job, your friends, or your career. Yeah, the, the pain, my, my relationship with emotional pain has been one of, I know that this is like sunlight and water for a plant. Like it's just part of the growth process. You're not gonna grow without some of that pain. 
Yeah, for sure. I know that we sound like a um, Instagram meme right now, but I promise it's true, guys. Um, so you realize that you're a badass. You realize that you have self-worth and you have spent your career consulting in astrophysicisting or whatever that looks like. So what caused your leap into entrepreneurism? So I, I first launched launched into entrepreneurship over a decade ago when I was just 25. I had read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and my, my mind was open to what was possible. And the bigger leap for me was, was the realization that, quote unquote, someone like me could be an entrepreneur and start a business. That wasn't something that was even on my radar for a possibility of my life before reading that book and also getting to meet people through work who had these entrepreneurial side hustles. And I was like, you, you can do that? You can just start a business? And they're like, yeah, it's really simple. Here's how. Yeah. So really quickly, that someone like me is something that I feel like so many people struggle from. They see people doing amazing things. And they're like, well, I can't do that because like they can only do it because this is who they are. And I always talk about expanding your perception. And this is a perfect example of, you know, reading, getting around people who can um, show you that you can actually have that life that you want to have. What do you think outside of the book, which amazing book, um, what do you think is the biggest thing that's propelled your success in that aspect of helping you realize what you're capable of? Um, helping me realize what I'm capable of. I think um, the number one thing that's assisted me is, is this just complete commitment to my goals of being an entrepreneur and having a certain amount of freedom in my life. Because I tell you what, I am freaking amazing at failing. And they say all entrepreneurs fail. I feel like I still fail twice as much as the average entrepreneur. My, my journey is so all over the place. And um, learning how to fail forward, learning how to fall and get back up, because it's not about this task or even this business. It's about my goals and my commitment to getting to where I want to be, no matter what that takes. And just that persistence to just do it again, that resilience to keep on going, regardless of a current failure. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a group of people that are more excited to fail than my entrepreneur friends. Like, <laughs> it's like, we get all psyched up about it. Like, okay, it didn't work this time. It's going to work next time. So how much of that do you think came from CrossFitting? I am not a CrossFitter, but I am an obstacle course racer. And so they cross so much. And I'm interested to hear your take on this. So I've done one Tough Mudder way back in the day. I have this, the cool picture of me running through fire at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly wouldn't say any of that came from CrossFit. I was drawn to CrossFit because I think I already had that type of of mindset. Well, you know, I would say when I did CrossFit, it was before I ever got ill and before we learned these illnesses, I was definitely the type A perfectionist who was going to accomplish whatever she thought she should do. And I thought I needed to be fit to be healthy. So like, it didn't matter how I felt um, while working out. It was just about, okay, I'm going to blindly do this thing I think I'm supposed to do without checking in. Like, does this feel good? Is this what I want? Do I want to keep doing it. And um, I don't think I'll ever go back to CrossFit because it's so much about pushing yourself 
in disconnection with how you actually feel and what you actually want in that moment. I can't go back to that. That's an interesting perspective. And I love it. I've never thought about it that way. Um, And it's interesting because I've never really been able to put my finger on it, but the healthier I've gotten mindset wise, the further away I've gotten from endurance obstacle course racing. And so when you say it like that, I, I think what it came down to for me was I don't feel the need to prove myself to anyone anymore. And so there's so much of that event that is proving to myself and proving to others that I can do it. And I'm like, I just don't need to do that anymore. No. And, and um, a lot of other women I've been talking to lately have had a similar sort of awareness is that once you specifically are able to get in tune with your body's hunger and fullness cues and work on your relationship with food, because let's face it, the vast majority of us do not have, it's a truly peaceful, healthy relationship with food is something I've spent a lot of time and money working on. Once you can get into that place with your body and your food, you no longer have to worry about your activity levels dictating the size or shape of your body. Your body can be a certain size and a certain shape, regardless of what you are or are not doing and not through control, but through connection with your body. So once you heal that, um, the, the draw to intense exercise starts to dissipate for a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely agree. The community is a different story. I'm totally drawn to the communities for sure. And so at this point, it's about finding ways to be involved to support my friends who still want to do that without actually going through it myself, um, because I do love the communities for sure. I, that is one thing I miss is like my CrossFit community. We were thick as thieves while we were all there. Um, different story when I couldn't CrossFit anymore, which is a little bit, a little bit eye-opening of like either you're in or you're out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you transition into video marketing, which is what you do now, correct? um, Tell us a little bit about your business that you have now um, and, and how your um, leap into entrepreneurism had a play in that. So, so like I said, my entrepreneurial journey started over a decade ago, and I've had a mix of failures and successes along the road. And my, my value video marketing business is born out of a failure. So I had been launching a coaching business, um, a resilience coaching business specifically, because um, that's something I've really been able to master in my life. And I see how important it is to help other people become resilient through those really hard, painful times. And then COVID hit and all my in-person events were canceled and I just switched to online. So I started creating marketing videos for my resilience coaching business. And within a couple months, I had a lot more business owners and professionals interested in my marketing videos than I did in the coaching services I was trying to sell. So it being in the middle of the pandemic and everything that was going on, me having that entrepreneurial mindset, I was like, okay, there's a clear pivot for me here. There's a demand. People want to pay me for this stuff today. I'm going to move into video marketing. And, and it's been honestly the easiest breeziest business I have gotten started to date. So it's been a fantastic move for me. And I've learned that it's something I'm good at. It's something I enjoy doing. It's something people enjoy working with me to do and they love the results. So like, it's just an awesome scenario all around. I wish I'd found this sooner. So wait a minute, you're telling me that you actually get to like make money and love your job and that's a possibility in life. It's a possibility. And 
and it's not following my passion per se, which is a big thing for me. Like I was doing the resilience coaching because I was like, that's my passion. That's what I'll do. And following my passion led me here, which I'm very happy and satisfied with, even though this work isn't, let's say my passion. That's a super important point because I do feel like we get so caught up in the why and, and I'm a huge believer of starting with why and understanding the purpose of what you're doing. So I'm not bashing on that in any way, but we get so caught up on that, that we believe if it's not our passion, we can't do it. If it's not our passion, we have to like stick with following our passion or else we fail. So that's a really interesting comment. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And one other thing I found is that whenever you make your passion, your full-time job, your passion becomes drudgery because you have to do it. Now your passion actually gets in the way of creating a great sustainable business. Oftentimes, at least it did for me. So I can still pursue my passions in my own life and I can do it in, in, you know, pro bono volunteer ways for other people. And that's still there, but, um, I, I can focus on stability and, and fulfillment as opposed to just passion too. Yes. So one of the things that screams out at me with this story is your ability to be laser focused on something and then see this opportunity out of your peripheral vision and take it. I feel like so many times we're like, I got to make this work. I got to make this work. I've got to make this work. What was that like for you? Was it something that was just natural or did you fight it for a little bit? My personal life saying is have a plan to deviate from (laughs) because that's honestly how I've lived most of my life. And it tends to work out well for me. Like I will devote myself to whatever I'm doing right now, but the moment I notice something better, um, I will make a hard right turn towards it. So how do you avoid then the constant jumping, like what goes through your head? What are you thinking about when you're making the decision of whether to deviate? So you're not just jumping platform to platform or idea to idea. So it's about, it's about um, making a pivot and not being flighty. So it's really about like, you don't, the moment you notice that you don't make the decision, then you, you notice that you say, huh, that's interesting. And maybe you start learning a little bit more, you start thinking about it, you, you mull it over with a couple friends, you get some input on that. And, um, and you wait for it to hit you over the head a few times. You know, like I had gotten asked repeatedly about my marketing videos before I decided to make that jump, but I, I had to kind of see that proof of how strong of an idea it was, how strong the demand was for that before I realized how much of a better um, path it was going to be for me. I love it. So, all right, I'm going to maybe push some buttons here for just a minute, but I was in, I love it. I was in clubhouse, which if you haven't heard of clubhouse go by the time this um, episode comes out, clubhouse will probably be, well, it's going to be bigger than it is now, but um, I was in clubhouse and I was listening to someone talk and they said, I don't work with people who have a plan B. And I thought, what? And so for me, I see both sides of this coin and one of my absolute favorite videos that got me through some really hard times um, was a commencement speech by Charlie Day. 
And he says, I don't believe in having a plan B because it muddies up your plan A. And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, that's so true. So now I just have multiple plan A's. So for somebody like you, who's talking about having a plan to deviate from and always keeping your options open, what is your feeling when someone says, I won't work with somebody who has a plan B? Um, that there's, there's a few things that go through my mind. The first thing being, it's okay if I'm not for everybody. I don't have to be the right fit for every person on this planet. And, you know, to, in order to make something your plan A, you have to have a certain amount of belief in it. You have to have a certain amount of proof that it's a good path to go in, or, or at least a certain amount of conviction that it's a good route to go in. And, you know, if money didn't matter for me, if I could have gone two years without an income figuring out how to sell resilient services and building up enough of an audience. And like, if that was an option for me, like I would have stuck with that. But realistically, I needed income sooner than that. Um, and that's kind of the path that I was, that I was on, like, you know, not just any income, but I need consistent income long, long before that. So I had to weigh my desires and ideals against my practical daily needs. And that was, where I, I ended up. And what helped was that, you know, doing videos, there's a lot of scripting that I do in my work. And I've been taking writing courses on how to do like short, concise um, story writing for business applications. So like there is an element of things that I'm passionate about and the work that I get to do now, I'm not abandoning passions. Um, it just isn't like my, my primary passion. So I would, I would say, yeah, cool. If you don't wanna work with me, that's fine. Um, and for the people who understand and appreciate that some of us um, have other priorities than just our desires and our ambitions and our, and our drive, um, then that's cool too. Let's work together. Yeah, I love it. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this up is because there's so many people out there who, when they start thinking about jumping into the entrepreneurial space, they are drawn to really big names. They're drawn to your Grant Cordons. They're drawn to your Gary V's, which have amazing content and amazing opinions. I may not agree with all of them, but they do have amazing ideas and they are way more successful than me. So they're doing something right. Um, at the same time, their message is so in your face that I feel like it gets misunderstood. And so that person that's in their nine to five and they're like, I have this passion, I wanna make it work, but I can't afford to leave my nine to five. And these people say that I can't do it unless I can jump completely. So I'm just gonna stay miserable for the next seven years. Like, I feel like that gets lost in that process. I, yeah, I really feel you on that one too. I mean, that's something I definitely got lost in the loud in your face, definitive opinions, as well as um, experienced advice coming from a lot of different online influencers in the business world. And um, it, it becomes very prescriptive of like, this is how you have to do it. But when you start really exposing yourself to more and more and more successful entrepreneurs, there's every opinion under the sun under there and they're all right. You just got to find out like what is going to work for you. Like if you can be a Gary V style entrepreneur and you can create whatever, like hundred pieces of content a week and you have the time and the budget for that and still like have a business to run, like awesome, do that, you know, but there are going to be other entrepreneurs who need to spend 40 hours a week fulfilling on services and have to like, you know, do sales and, and marketing and everything else who just, 
haven't grown to have that capability yet. And that's okay too. So I think it's good to expose yourself to this stuff, but take everything with a grain of salt, regardless of how it confidently or with the success behind what's said, because there's someone else just as successful who's done it almost the opposite way. Yeah, 100%. And the grain of salt thing, it took me a long time to realize that I could agree with something that somebody said and disagree with something else. And this idea that you can cherry pick ideas to create your own like blueprint to success. So for you, was there a point in, have you always been that? I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, take what works. Or was there a point in time where you were like, okay, this guy said this, so I have to do it. This guy said this, so I have to do it. And then all of a sudden you realized that you were taking pieces. Amber, I feel like you get me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, especially when I was still in that good student mentality, I was like, oh, they're telling me how to do this. I have to do it their way. And they're telling me that I, I should be able to start a business in one hour a day, you know, mornings and evenings and weekends and whatever. And uh, if I can't do that, then I'm just a terrible human and a piece of crap and, and worthless. And like, you know, I, I tried that side hustle thing for so many years and um, there are certain businesses that can work well with that. And there are certain businesses you can't start that way. You can't treat every business as if it's entirely flexible and can be done just in an, in an hour a day. Um, I personally haven't found like lasting um, business success until I've gone in 100% quit the job, um, completely relying on myself. But I have had so much experience in this. I've learned so many things over the way. I have some really amazing mentors in my life. I can I can tap into whenever I need some guidance um, that it felt like a good thing to do. You know, I'd also build up my savings a lot being having been in the workforce for so long um, that it made it a more comfortable decision for me. I don't have kids yet. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons that that was the right thing for me to do. And it's also just how I work. I don't work in one hour chunks. I need to sit and get into a flow with something in order to, to do it well enough. So, yeah, I tried to work on that 50 minute block idea once. And I was like, I just got started. Like it took me 25 minutes to get focused. I just got (laughs) started. If I do that, I'm working like what, 40 minutes a day. So, um, I want to talk about what you just said in relation to not being successful until you went all in, because there's this cart and the horse scenario for me. I 100% agree with you that I didn't find success until I went all in. What I don't know is whether it was the act of going all in or the act in believing in myself enough to go all in that made me successful. And I'm interested in your take on that. Um... I, for, well, you know, it's, it's hard to say for somebody else. Cause I, you know, the older you get, the more you live, the more you see that there are a million ways to do something right and to do it well. And it really comes down to the person and the situation that they're in. For me, it was, it was a combination of having the confidence in myself and in my support network um, and in my resources I had available to to quit the job and go all in on, on entrepreneurship. Um, so it was definitely partly that mindset that I started out with, um, but it also helped that I had the right things and people in place to support me through that journey. So um, 
you know, like full honesty here, I've, I've done the quit my job and go all in thing years ago before I was actually ready. And I ended up almost going broke and having to go back to consulting again. And that was the worst thing in the world for me. I felt like such a failure. I was so embarrassed. I was completely lost because I thought quitting and going all in meant that it was, I was going to make it work. And, and, you know, I kind of had to just like set that stuff aside for a while, just work kind of like, like my wounds and reflect on what went wrong. And I realized that I really didn't have enough of the things I needed. And I also wasn't the person I needed to be to make that successful at that time. There was a lot of work I needed to do on myself before I could before I could truly go all in, in business. Yeah. Not to be a failure advocate, but I am, (laughs) um, that you wouldn't have found those things if you didn't fail. Right. So it's, it's so important to just figure out what works for you and go out and try it and give it a shot and then fail. And the most important part of that process is what you just said, evaluating what works, evaluating what you could have done better because otherwise you're just failing over and over again, but it's that evaluation and adjustment time afterwards that makes the difference. It's not that you fail. It's what you do with it. It's how you get up and keep going because if I had never tried entrepreneurship again, I would have failed at entrepreneurship, but because I kept going, even though it took me years, I'm finally at a place where I have a business with stable, consistent, growing revenue. Yeah, I love it. And this is why I love these conversations with people like yourself, because we have this amazing ability as human beings to sabotage our own success by comparing ourselves to people who are like... 10 years ahead of us in the process and forgetting that they're 10 years ahead of us in the process. And so then we say, oh, well, look what they're doing. So I must not be able to do it because I can't do that. And we don't think about the fact that 10 years ago, they were us. And so I love these conversations of what you went through to get to where you are, because the people that are hearing that are going to get so much value from it. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to hear it. And it's another thing to believe it. Um, yeah. I, I used to even put in my head like, oh, well, they must've been this person when they started and they must've had this skill set, and they must've just been better at this than I am. And the honest answer, having known some of these entrepreneurs and like talking to them honestly about their actual um, histories, they weren't better at most of those things. Everyone has some talent where they're better at something than other people and that's fine. But it's just really about that hustle and grind and just going for it. Yeah. And eventually finding your people for sure. So I I agree with you on that. I think that the people that I've talked to the most in this entrepreneurial space, they surround themselves with people who can do what they can't. And eventually you hit a point where you drop the ego and realize that you don't have to do it all in your business, that you don't have to be good at it all. And I recently just hit that point where I was like, I got to do this. And I I was like, I don't want to micromanage you, but I need you to do it the way that I want you to do it. But I'm not going to tell you what that is because I'm not going to micromanage you. So Star Wars, my mind. So I'm interested if you're willing to share, where did you start hiring out for your business? Um, so for me, it started cause I have my law firm and then I also, um, am a business coach. And so it started 
showing its head in the law firm because I had my assistant and yet I never really let her actually assist. So she would do things and then I would constantly be hovering over her shoulder, but then I'd be like, I'm not the micromanager. And she'd look over at me, like feeling my breath on her neck, like, okay, if you say so. So um, it there, it was like, eventually my law firm grew to the point that I couldn't be in every place at every time. And I was forced to let go of control because I wasn't sleeping. So it was like somebody else does this or it doesn't get done because I need my bed. That sleep piece, people, people are too quick to sacrifice sleep. I think it is. I agree. So before we jumped on, we were actually talking about this amazing passion that you have for all things health, which I think so many entrepreneurs get to eventually out of necessity. Um, so for you, let's actually talk about the sleep piece for a minute. How do you balance what you're doing with your career, what you're doing with your mindset, what you're doing with podcasting? Like, how do you juggle all of your rings and still make sure that you get what you need health-wise? Because I put my health needs first. And this comes out of me working on this health stuff for uh, over a decade at this point. And, and I, if I don't prioritize my health, um, things go sideways very quickly for me, much more quickly than they would for other people. So it is just like, okay, my, I'm going to go to bed around this time. And I have to start getting ready for bed earlier than that. And like, that is just my set in stone timeline and everything else falls into place after that. It is the only way to guarantee that you are going to get the sleep you need. And even then, like we've had some, some pet issues this week that have dramatically interfered with our sleep and the dog's okay and gonna be okay. But um, it makes things so much harder when, when those sleep interruptions do come up. So it just has to be, it has to be your foundation. You literally have to treat it like your foundation. It's there, it doesn't move. Yeah. So before I dig into how important that is, I have to know what kind of dog do you have? Doberman. Oh, yay. How old is he? Uh, He's six. Oh, so adorable. Um, I have a seven month German shepherd that is at daycare today so that I can pod max. So yeah. Um, I, I love dogs. So anyways, back to the task at hand. Um, at what point did you decide or realize that by structuring your routine in a way that put your health first, that you were taking control of your life instead of losing it? Oh, oh, I love the way you framed that, taking control of it instead of losing it, because we we tend in this in in the US and the society, we tend to frame it the other way. We take control by sleeping less. Wow, that was just so profound. I'm kind of like sitting with that for a second. I loved it. Amber. Um, amazing. It's a personal journey. It's not a, like, I appreciate that. And at the same time, um, believe me, I've struggled with it. Uh, like nobody's going to tell me I have to go to bed. I'm going to stay up till midnight. I'll show you. So yeah, I get, yeah, it's personal journey. Um, it's the kind of thing for me, I had to commit really, really hard to finding what I needed for great sleep. And honestly, it's a lot of things. It's been a journey just to discover what I need to sleep well. But once I committed to that, to to figuring it out, and there's just a certain amount of time where you just gotta trust the process. And once you get like a week of like good sleep, 
like not just lying in bed for eight hours, but actually being asleep for eight hours for a whole week. And the way you feel, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize how crappy I felt. I didn't know that I was like accepting mediocrity until you get that experience of like, this is what I can feel like if I just sleep more. Like, hell yeah, I'm more productive. I'm more focused. I'm more myself. I feel like a better friend. I feel like a better fiance. I, you know, like everything just gets better when you sleep more. I love it. So I'm interested to know, and this may be a hard question to pick just one of, when I think about where my life is right now, there are so many moments throughout the day that I look back and think, holy crap, 10 years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago. And the biggest one for me that comes to my mind that causes me to, to um, ask this question is I'm now a morning person. I'm up at like 4.30 to five every morning. And I used to be like 11. Don't ask me to do anything before 11. So it's kind of the example of what I'm thinking in my head. What is it that you think of when you think of your life now and you think back to eight to 10 years ago and you never thought you'd be doing what you're doing now as far as like routine wise? Um, you know, that's, that's a tough question for me. Cause it was, um, it was 2010 when my health issues started. So, um, honestly, like 10 years ago, I didn't know that I would be able to work full time again, walk freely, be able to read a book again. Like that's, that's my honest 10 year, even eight year answer with that one is just be having a choice in how to move my body and spend my time. Having a choice on how to move my body and spend my time. That's powerful, Kristen. It's really powerful. When you think about that, how much gratitude are you filled with, with the life that you have now compared to that? Like gratitude isn't even the right word for it. It is, it is a profound appreciation for these choices I get to make. And, um, more than, more than gratitude, it is, it becomes almost a spiritual experience of being in awe at my body's ability to heal when it finally gets the things that it needs to heal. And we know from prior conversation that the pain is part of this process, but for that person who hasn't figured out yet that with or without the medical emergencies that they have control over how they spend their time and what they do with their body. What resources do you think they need? The first place my mind goes when you ask me that question, and I'm questioning whether this is a good answer, but my first, my first response is they need to do the hard work of learning to meditate. And when you can just sit there by yourself, be with your mind, be with your body. And I'm sorry, there's some sirens going by. I don't know if you can hear that right now. I live in the city. Um, if you can just be alone with yourself for even just 10 minutes a day and, and, and bump that up to half hour, an hour a day. Um, and you just see how uncomfortable you really are just sitting um you you can have profound experiences and what your life is doing to you the way you're living it and i know it's extremely hard for most of us 
Um, so that's why I say I would recommend doing the hard work of just, of just sitting there with yourself. So powerful. Um, I feel like I could talk to you about this for hours. Um, we don't have hours, unfortunately, but I'm sure this will not be our last conversation. Um, before we wrap up, video marketing is where you spend your world now. What is the biggest piece of advice for somebody who's out there saying, number one, what is video marketing? Or number two, why do I need it? So value video marketing specializes in two things. On, on one side, we have monthly SEO optimized video content simply delivered for companies who are already investing in SEO and want to amplify the results they're getting from SEO while also producing consistent monthly video content anywhere from twice a month to twice a week. And then on the other side of value video marketing is I help professionals look more professional wherever they're virtual through simple video trainings. So working with sales teams, working with companies who put on a lot of virtual events and want to maintain the look and feel of, of all of their virtual events. Um, um, I've also worked with individuals who want to amplify their online video marketing presence. I do a lot of coaching on how to create effective and useful marketing videos that help your audience see you as an authority, remember you regularly and want to work with you. That's amazing. So it sounds like everybody needs this, even <laughs> if they're not um, aware that they need it yet. So where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you for more information? The best place to connect with me is going to be to go to my LinkedIn. Um, you can type in my name, Kristen Jekilek. That'll be spelled somewhere in the show notes. <laughs> I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that name. Um, and that's where you can DM me if you have any questions or follow along. I try to post weekly content there. I love it. So I need to move into the success element of this podcast. This is the More Than Corporate podcast, and we talk about defining success. I believe that we don't find success. We create it by being intentional about our life and intentional about what we want. So for you, what does success mean to you? And how do you particularly define that? First and foremost, like under the bullet points of success for me, the top one is time and resources to invest in my health to give myself what I need, even as that changes. Um, that's always number one. Number two is the finances to feel like I have freedom. You know, there's some people talk about this like freedom number. What does that freedom number look like for you? And then double it. And that's what your monthly um, income goals should be, not revenue, but, but your personal income goals should be. Um, and in addition to that, it's also work that um, leaves me able to like be the person I want to be at night and on the weekends when I'm with people or, you know, just doing my own thing. Cause I, I want to, I don't want work that's going to exhaust me or aggravate me or stress me out so much that I don't get to enjoy the people in my life because they're really what it's all about. I love it. I love it. Before we wrap up today, I would love to um, do a quick random round and put you on the spot for just a minute. Are you okay with that? Totally okay with it. All right. If you could have any profession other than what you're doing now, what do you think it would be fun to attempt to do? I still think it'd be fun to try to be an astronaut because I want to be up there <laughs> looking down on earth, um, from the spaceship, from Mars. Like, I still think that would be the coolest experience in life. 
be amazing. So when you went to school and you became an astrophysicist, was that your goal or did you, was that the intention? No, it wasn't my intention to be an astronaut. Um, I always realized that they had to go to school for a very long time. <laughs> I wasn't that interested in school. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was funny actually. So when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college, I had two options I was going back and forth between. I was like, okay, either I want to do astrophysics because I've always loved astronomy and all that stuff, or I want to go to school for fashion design. So I still have like a really the creative side to me. And I kind of like came to the decision that like, okay, I can, I can go to school for astrophysics and then I can just kind of like dabble and like fun creative stuff on the side and still fulfill those parts, both parts of me. That's awesome. And thanks for making the comment of just how educated astronauts are. Cause I think people forget that sometimes they just think they're the person that like drives the ship and it's insane how much schooling they have and how smart they are. Yeah. They'll have multiple masters, multiple PhDs. They're insanely physically fit. They have to have like a certain psychological profile, which I definitely wouldn't have fit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? If I could time travel, oh man, oh, I'm torn between going like way into the future and seeing what life is like and what technologies are like versus going back to like, um, like pre-civilization time when humans just lived in tribes and seeing what life was really like, you know, like, did we really live healthier then? Did we really live less healthy then? I don't know. I would, I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah. To keep up with health trends though, you don't have to go back that far. You have to go back to like yesterday to keep <laughs> up with health trends. I feel like they change every day. Um, that's amazing. All right. I, um, love all of the resources that we've talked about today. If you could give a new entrepreneur or somebody who's getting ready to jump into this space, one resource that you think would help their journey from the business side, what do you think that would be book podcast, whatever that is. Um, the, the, if you were only going to read one thing, man or woman, I would recommend this book called Built to Sell. It is all about building a business that will enable you to have an asset that you can actually sell at some point in the future when you are ready to either be done working or move on to something else. I love it. And when you're listening to content, do you prefer to listen or read it? Do you prefer books or audiobooks? I prefer reading. Okay. Me too. Me too. That doesn't surprise me with the <laughs> amount that you have to read for the education that you have for sure. Um, all right. Last question. And this is purely selfish because I'm a music nerd. Um, what is your pump up song? What do you listen to in when you just, you're having those moments that you need to pump yourself up and you can't have a bad day? When I, I need to get pumped up and I can't have a bad day. I don't have a single song that I listen to, but I will basically put on, um, some like really Latin, like club dance music, like Calabria or something, and just like dance it out for a few minutes. That gets me hyped more than anything. That's crazy. Um, I love that idea. Where are you from? Where are you from? I'm, I, I live in Philadelphia. I've lived in okay. Of my life. Do you have Latin roots or where did this love for Latin music come from? No, just, it's just 
you know, I got into salsa dancing after moving to Philadelphia over a decade ago. And like, it just, I don't know, just getting a really good salsa group. I love it. I love the dance moves she got going on. That's amazing. Um, one last time for everybody listening, how can they reach out to you to continue this conversation, to talk about any of the things that you are passionate about that we've talked about today, or to learn more about the amazing videos that you can help them create? The best place to connect with me, to, to message me, to learn more about what I do is going to be my LinkedIn. Um, you can just type my name in from the show notes, Kristen Jekalek, and um, reach out to me there. You can look through my old posts if you want to learn more about my business. I've got my business page on LinkedIn. You can find my website that way. So like my LinkedIn profile is my hub for all of that. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kristen. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I'm sure this will not be our last conversation. You are absolutely fantastic and have so much value to give. I sure hope not. I, I, I would love to, to talk again, Amber. This is a fantastic conversation. I love the way you frame things. Um, and I'm leaving with some big profound insights too. So thank you. Oh, that's always the best compliment as a podcast host. Thank you. Have an amazing day, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in. The name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.